Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. We are at the tail end of a series on Easter called Zoe. And I know what you're thinking Easter was last week, but we're in that Easter season. And it really pushes through actually into Pentecost in a few weeks' time. And the word Zoe means life in Greek, in the Greek of Jesus' time. And so we've been through this four-message series. In the first week, we looked at how Jesus on Palm Sunday was coming, the King was coming to turn our graves into gardens. And then we heard on Good Friday how Jesus is calling us to a kind of life, the crucified life. Then on Sunday, we learned about that flip side, the other kind of life, the resurrection life. Today, I want to talk about something a little bit different, life in the waiting, life before Pentecost, a message that I'm calling in your lounge room as in heaven. Everybody say heaven. Good, good. So I don't know about you, but right now, my lounge room does not look much like heaven. It looks like some kind of apocalyptic wasteland. It seems like no matter how often we clean it, and we're cleaning it multiple times a day, nothing seems to change. It's just some combination of used drinking glasses and um, 75 toys and activity that my kids have started and then left there when they went on to a second thing, and about a thousand puzzles which are breaking us to about a thousand different pieces and are breaking our spirits in about a thousand different ways. This is just kind of what our, our lounge room looks like right now. Now, I don't know about you, but for us, our lounge room has been a place of refuge, a place of warmth. In fact, it's the place we launched Encounter Church out of. We had our first Easter service in that lounge room. We've had heart and souls in that lounge room. I know many of you have been hosted in that lounge room. It's been a place of God. It's been like a little touch of heaven, a little testimony of God's faithfulness. But right now, it feels more like a prison. And worse than that, it's a prison in which we don't even know when it's going to end. We're in a, a sentence that just seems to keep going. This is the moment we are in. We don't know when the lockdown ends. We don't know when or if there's a vaccine coming. We don't know if the kids are going back to school next term. And if you're going to pray for something right now, pray for global health. But still, think of us while you do it. So what do you do when life itself is a sentence of self-imprisonment. What do you do when you're stuck in the waiting church? Well, traditionally, this time of year is one in which we are talking about what Jesus is doing. See, he was with his apostles, his disciples, 40 days after the resurrection, in which he taught them many things and he appeared alive to them by many convincing proofs and speaking about the kingdom of God, as we heard in the reading today. But the message I want to talk about today is not about the 40 days. It's not about when he was alive with the apostles. It's about the last thing he did before he left, what is called the Ascension. Now, the Ascension is the name given to the event when Jesus returned to be at the right hand of God the Father. And for us, sometimes the way we think about the Ascension can be a bit of a problem in that we use our understanding of the word Ascension to mean ascended literally, as in Jesus moved upwards, as opposed to spiritually, Jesus moved elsewhere. I want you to catch that really quickly. It's not that Jesus moved up, 
in, a, in an ascension. He didn't ascend it upwards, he ascended it outwards. He sent it somewhere else, a place that we call heaven. See, the ascension is where the physical Jesus, who had physically, literally, tangibly been with his disciples for more than a month, instead moved into a different space. That's what the Bible calls heaven. It's a different space. And sometimes we mistakenly think that heaven means up. But no, heaven simply means the place where God is in his fullness. The place where, which will be the home of all Christians when we die, the present home of God. And just before he leaves, this is what Jesus gathers his disciples to talk about. He gathers them together in one place to talk about his project for heaven to meet earth, a project that he called the kingdom of God. The project that would see heaven begin to invade earth and these two realities, one finite and physical, the other infinite and metaphysical, would clash and eventually end with the return of Jesus Christ in glory and his fullness and the restoring of all creation into God's image. And what a glorious day. And he gathers the disciples and explains to them that with this project, they are the project managers. They're the messengers to tell people about the project and to live it out themselves. They are the ambassadors, the heralds, the reporters, the podcasters, the bloggers, the influencers. And their single goal is to tell people about the kingdom of God, that there is a king called Jesus and his kingdom is beginning to be built here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. They are the ones to tell the world and show the world that Jesus is alive and that means that a new life has come for them as well. It's all very exciting. And Matthew's Gospel ends with the Great Commission and it's about as close as we get to a happily ever after in the Bible. Everybody is fired up. However, it doesn't just stay this way. For the disciples, there's a lot more life to come after and that's what we come to in today's passage. See, Luke, who wrote Acts, prepares us at the start of his letter by letting us know what happened in his first letter, the Gospel of Luke, about all that Jesus came to do and teach. Then Luke tells us what Jesus told the disciples about the kingdom of God, what in the Lord's Prayer Jesus described as God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. The presence of God invading and filling the earth through the work of his people. What Jesus died to bring about, what is breaking in now, what we all work towards, the disciples were given a mission. So the disciples have followed Jesus up the Mount of Olives to hear what he has to say, and it is impactful. First, he commands them not to leave Jerusalem. Don't leave, he says. Don't leave Jerusalem. Then he says to them to wait for the Father's promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he tells them, and let them know that he won't be giving them any time frame for what God is doing. And at this point, if you're the apostles and you're there with Jesus and you, you know he's about to leave because everything's pointing to that, and you just want some clear instructions, these three instructions are about the least encouraging things you could possibly imagine. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait on God. There is no time. This is not uplifting or inspiring. This is not, behold, I'm doing a new thing. This is not all things are possible through Christ. No, 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 no. Don't leave. Wait on God. No time frame. And we know the apostles felt just as frustrated and uncertain as we might imagine. Because after Jesus ascends into heaven, we read that they're just kind of 
standing there, gazing up into heaven with a blank expression on their face, a what now look in their eyes. And they're praying that there are more instructions, that there's more clarity to come. And suddenly two angels appear and answer their prayer. And what do the angels say? Didn't you hear Jesus? Go back to Jerusalem. Jesus will come back later. When later? Later, mate. Go home. Go home. Get out of here. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever felt like you're trapped in a place that you can't get out with no time frame or end date and you're suddenly forced to wait on God because you are all in it right now. We are all trapped in that place. You and I are in the kind of moment that only comes around once a century and we feel like the disciples did after the ascension. We're trapped in the waiting. Trapped in the moment of waiting. And waiting moments are exhausting by their very nature. Psalm 13 begins like this with King David crying out, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Does that sound familiar? Abraham waited for a child. Moses waited in the wilderness. David waited for deliverance. The people of Israel toiled in exile. We are familiar with exile. We are familiar with waiting. But the thing about waiting is that we can fall into the trap of believing that we are passively waiting until we get somewhere else instead of actively waiting for what God is going to do with us right now. And we lose the journey because we get focused on the destination. We get trapped in looking beyond where we're going. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you're between the ages of 12 and 21, you are spending almost every year of your life going, when I'm 13, I can do this. When I'm 15, when I'm 16, when I'm 18. Do you know what I mean? There are these constant landmarks. You can get trapped looking ahead. I can't wait until you miss the moment you're in now. You miss the redeeming work that God wants to do in you now through His Holy Spirit, church. We've got to be familiar with waiting. And the disciples, though, they didn't suffer in the same way. They didn't miss the moment. They stayed focused. They did what Jesus asked. And only a week later, the Holy Spirit landed at Pentecost and everything changed. Now, that's not a long time. But you've got to remember the disciples didn't know it was only going to be a week. They had an indefinite timeline. Jesus did not give them clear parameters. Must be very frustrating. They just knew they had to wait. But in the waiting, they were active. And Acts 1.14 gives us this beautiful picture. It says they were all continually united in prayer. So when Pentecost came, they were prayerfully ready, church. Prayerfully ready. Now what made the disciples able to be active in the waiting? What gave them the fortitude to focus on prayer and pursue God in a time of near total uncertainty? How did their upper room, this famous upper room, become like the throne room of heaven? Let me give you three reasons that the disciples stayed focused and apply to us today. Number one, they listened to Jesus. They listened to Jesus. Now, this might sound pretty obvious, but I mean this literally. Jesus gave the disciples clear instructions. He told them not to leave Jerusalem, to await on God, and that there was no time frame. Now, what does that mean for us? Don't leave where you are, but remember that God is there with you. Don't leave where you are, but remember that God is there with you. Now, 
Do I mean this literally? Absolutely, you know, hashtag stay home, right? We want everyone to be smart during the pandemic. We want to flatten the curve. We want to see as few people impacted as possible by COVID-19. But I also mean, don't try and be in the future. Live in the present. What can you do right now, where you are right now, to see the kingdom of God break in right now? What can you do, church? The disciples only had to wait one week for the Holy Spirit to fall, but they didn't know that. For them, this was just as distant as the second coming of Jesus is for us, or for this end of COVID-19 is for us. It was just as far away. We need to live with eternity in mind, church. We need to live with eternity in mind, and at the same time, remember that God is renewing and restoring us right now, in the waiting. Not when COVID-19 ends, now. So what habits can you start now simply by listening to Jesus, by being the person he is calling you to be? Well, I just want to give you one tip here. It will start with intentionally slowing down. You will need to be intentional and you will need to slow down. Don't leave where you are because heaven can invade your lounge room right now. The kingdom of God is breaking in. God is where you are. God is waiting. Waiting for you to slow down, to stop and listen to Jesus. Which brings me to my second point. The disciples listened to Jesus and they made prayer a priority. They made prayer a priority. Now the disciples were contending in prayer. They knew that when you're at the end of your rope, you need to seek the voice of God. Tell me one thing, church, that you need more right now than the voice of God speaking clearly to you. The disciples took the habit of Jesus to frequently be with his Father in prayer, and they made it a hallmark of their gatherings. They prayed women and men together. They prayed in multiple generations. They prayed consistently. They prayed with unity. And the prayer that they would have prayed would have been a mix of uncertainty and desperation, but it became a prayer of power because the Holy Spirit fell upon them at the time when they were ready, prayerfully ready. And friends, can I tell you, we are looking to become a church where the Holy Spirit comes in power, and we're looking to be a church where we are prayerfully ready. We want the power of the Holy Spirit, but I think we need to be prayerfully ready for that, ready and active at all times. We are moving to a place where we're going to have three prayer meetings a week, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Friday morning. And you are welcome to join in at any of them. Friday morning, we do 11 a.m. prayer with our interns. Thursday night, we've restarted up our prayer nights at 8 o'clock. We're going to do the same thing 8 o'clock Tuesday. Now, why am I pitching this so hard? It's not because I need you to be at our prayer meetings. Jenny and I went through a whole year where it was me and Jenny and our daughter Grace and sometimes Jeremy, and that was the prayer meeting for a year. Now, this is already looking much better than that. And it is great to have other people around. I want you involved in the prayer meetings because it blesses you. You. You get all the blessing when you come to a prayer meeting. You are saturated in the presence of God. You are pressing in. You press and push past your circumstances into the presence of God. And you begin to fill your soul with the things of the kingdom of God. You begin to dwell in it, rest in it, to read your scripture and to sit there and pray through scripture. And God is with you in that. So be there in prayer, friends. Be there in prayer. The disciples started praying as an act of obedience and continued praying because it was an act of power. 
So I, I want you to be involved because we want you to become people of prayer as we continue to contend in prayer. It was when they were gathered together in one place praying that the Holy Spirit fell. We can do that wisely. We are still gathered together as the body of Christ. They got what they needed even more when the, what they asked for, even more than they asked for, when they began praying. So how does your prayer life? What are you doing on a Tuesday night? What are you doing on a Thursday night? Join us via Zoom one hour, pressing in prayer. That's my challenge to you this week. Here's number three, my third and final point. They listened to Jesus. They made prayer a priority, and they had a job to do. You may have noticed that I left out part of the passage when I read it earlier. And that is the big commandment in Acts 1.8, which says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Well, what kept the disciples going? They had a job to do. They had a sense of purpose. After Jesus left, they stand staring up in the sky until the angels come to the and say, hey, hey, snap out of it. You can't be standing there stargazing. Your kingdom ambassadors, Jesus has given you instructions. You need to get on with it. And so they did. They obeyed God, prioritized prayer, and sure enough, the Holy Spirit came in power. Jesus is coming back again. COVID-19 will finish. But unless we make the most of this time and grow and develop right now, we will not be prepared for what God wants to do both right now and into the future. Here's what N.T. Wright says about this. One day that kingdom will come, finally and fully. In the meantime, we have a job to do. I just want to read that one more time because this kicked me in the teeth when I read it this week. One day that kingdom will come, Finally and fully, but in the meantime, we have a job to do. That line haunts me. In the meantime, we have a job to do. We can't simply stay stargazing while the rest of the world searches for answers. We must both be the answers and name the answers for a world that is looking for them. And I think the thing that kicks me in the teeth about this is I can sometimes fall into the trap that the rest of us do in that I want to improve my prayer life and grow closer to God because it feels like the right thing to do. And it does. It's not wrong, but it's also not the reason. We want to improve our prayer life because we want heaven to invade the earth. We want our relationship with Jesus to be so close that it feels like there is just a tiny filament between us and heaven, the place where we stand and the place where heaven is breaking in. Because our spirits are so closely aligned with the spirits of God, our actions are so closely aligned with the desires of God. The Irish used to call that a liminal place, a liminal place, this close, thin place between heaven and earth. That's what the kingdom of God is breaking in like. It is breaking into earth and trying to make the whole place a very, very thin place. That's what we crave. It's not about duty, it's about relationship, it's about joy, it's about the way life is meant to be. That's what we're about. Church, if the kingdom of God is breaking in right now, if God is meeting people where they are at right now, and if you believe Jesus is the answer to your friends and family, We've got to ask ourselves the question, are we living a life on mission? 
Are we, even in our lounge rooms, living as though heaven is breaking into earth, breaking into where we are right now? Our families, our neighbours, our communities are isolated and they're searching for answers. Google tells us that prayer and church are rocketed up the search engine list because people are looking for answers right now. What are we doing about it? Are we obeying God's word? Are we listening to Jesus? Are we making prayer a priority? And do we realise we've got a job to do? One day that kingdom will come finally and fully, but in the meantime, we have a job to do. Let me finish this way. Given that Jesus wasn't going to tell the disciples the time of the coming kingdom, and given that they were going to the ends of the earth, which would take a long time, why does it feel like he's giving them such an imperative, a command with a, a sense of urgency attached to it? Could it be that it wasn't just a command to the disciples, it was a sense of purpose for the disciples? Both now and the ones yet to come, that's you and me here right now. Could it be that you will find yourself in the waiting church if you simply obey God, make prayer a priority and do the work of the kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God is not about making us feel good. It's not going to wait for us to be ready. The kingdom of God is breaking in, and regardless of COVID-19, we have a job to do. And just like the disciples right now, God is calling a generation to listen to his voice, to obey his instructions, to pray, pray as a priority, and to do the work of the kingdom of God, both practically and spiritually. We can't hide in our lounge rooms, even if we are afraid. I'm not saying break the law. I'm not saying go against wise distancing rules. But I'm saying we cannot fear the unknown in this time. We have to step out in faith because otherwise we cannot be the ends of Jesus in a practical way. The world might be closed to you physically, but it is open to you digitally. And every sign points to the fact that people are open to Jesus, maybe more than ever before. Heaven is invading their lounges, it's invading yours. So church, it's time to do our job. It's time to step up and be counted. It's time to make the most of this moment. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us, or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.